Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to the Are You Listening podcast, uh, a music podcast, first and foremost, and then a friend podcast. Actually, let's let's flip-flop those. A friend yeah. podcast first, and a music podcast second. I agree with that. I am Brand, and I am here with my friend Scott. Scott, how are you today? Uh, bit of a rough morning, uh, listeners. You you know by now that uh, we record well in advance, and by this time, a couple weeks have gone by. Uh, but got the news this morning that Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for the Foo Fighters, passed away last night around 11 p.m. And it's uh, it's kind of taking its toll on me a little bit this morning. Kind of rough. You know, we did our Foo Fighters episode a month or two ago now. Uh, and you know that I have uh, uh, passed with them. That at one point, you probably, I probably could have said that Foo Fighters were uh, my favorite band. Um, so, yeah, it kind of came as a surprise and kind of devastating, I guess, uh, as far as any celebrity death goes. Yeah, just rough. You know, uh, he was... He was only 50. They were in South America going to play um, some festival this week, I think. In Colombia, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, just wild. It's 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 rough, I guess. I don't know. I saw a quote this morning that said Taylor Hawkins is the only human being that could back Dave Grohl without every everybody wishing that it was Dave Grohl behind the kit. Yes, I, I would say that same exact thing, because. I mean, you, you think Dave Grohl, you think drums initially, at least I do. Anybody uh, who was a fan of Nirvana or early Foo Fighters stuff, like Dave needs to be behind the kid. But uh, Taylor filled that position and just was amazing. Yeah, I don't know. He's just fantastic. And he always seemed like a cool dude every time I saw an interview with him. And then uh, whenever he saw an interview with Taylor, you always saw Dave there too. They were like best friends, it seemed like. And I, I can't imagine what... Uh, the band's going through. I can't imagine what Taylor's family is going through. And yeah. Um, yeah, just rough. And, you know, uh, rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. I, I found out and my first initial reaction was to run out to Target to get the newest Foo Fighters LP because uh, I hadn't picked it up yet. So uh, did you? 
Yeah, yeah, we ran out. Uh, I looked it up online, saw that it was in stock at my local Target. Ran up there, uh, wasn't on the shelf, so I went and bugged somebody right away. Oh, wow, you were real serious. About uh, it. Dude, I was about it. Yeah, I was like, I, I pulled it up online on my phone. I was like, it says right here that it's in stock, but unavailable for pickup. That means I had to come in here and get it. Do you have it? The guy went into the back, found a copy. He was like, yeah, I don't know. It's discontinued and uh, doesn't have a placement in the system. I was like, but you have it. He was like, yeah, here you go. Went up, went to check out, rang it up, $21.99. And then I looked at the cashier. I was like, wait, but online it says it's $17.59. So I, I was that person too. What do they mean by it's discontinued? Like the album itself? What is it? Uh, it was the Target exclusive. So I wonder if that's what it was. Was it like... Is it a new album or is it the Studio 666 stuff? No, it was the new, the newest album they put out like a year or two ago, okay. Medicine at Midnight. Um, but okay. Target had an exclusive cover and then it came with a picture of the band inside. So I don't know if the, if it actually is discontinued there or whatever, but yeah. Our hearts and our minds go out to Taylor Hawkins family and anybody who is affected by this, including yourself, Scott, obviously. I'm, For sure. You know. Send send my love to you as well because I know yeah, that thanks. affects you. Uh, so let's let's spin this around. Let's try to let's try to let's, do it. let's have some it. fun now. Let's have some let's, fun. Let's try to have some fun. I think this is an album that we can do it with. I think so. Today we are here to talk about the unseen and their album State of Discontent. Right. I feel a little bit like you coming in here with my notes because I had to basically draw a diagram to figure out what the band lineup was for the first oh, wow. um, I don't know 10 years of this band it's it's pretty wild so bear with me you and bear with me everybody listening sure. as I try to make it through I tried to put this as straight as I could and as easy as I could but <laughs> it, I, there's definitely going to be some times where it gets hazy so there's there's tangents yes but we'll start with the normal statement we usually start with and that's who the band is what they are where they come from the unseen is an American street punk band that was formed in 1993. Wow, really? In Higham, Massachusetts. Wow, okay. Never heard of that city, but... Oh, me neither. <laughs> so, originally they were called The Extinct. Okay. Their first incarnation was formed after drummer Mark Savatrice, bassist Trip Underwood, and guitarist Paul Morey parted ways with an original singer. Oh, Okay. I cut the line at learning what that was. I didn't, we don't need to know <laughs> who the right. original singer of the extinct was. <laughs> sure. So then local varsity hockey star, Mark Carlson was recruited for the band. Cause oh, if we know was, anything about hockey yeah. stars, they're huge. They are punk rockers. rockers. Yeah. 100%. Soon after that, Paul Morey lost interest in playing guitar and left. Okay. Just lost interest in guitar. Said, all right, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. No, nah, I'm done. So then Phil Riley was brought on as a replacement, but soon dismissed afterwards. Okay. And that's what it says. It says he was dismissed after a show. So I imagine something went Ooh, down at that show. Something went down yeah. at the show. Yeah, that's not good. That's never a good That's never a good thing. Yeah. So then we have Scott Hadia joining after a few practices. They brought him in for a few practices and Scott Hadia joined. Good name. That is now the lineup for the band releasing their first seven inch, Too Young to Know, Too Reckless to Die in 95. As the extinct. I believe that was still the, the, un I believe they were still the unseen at that point. Like, I think the extinct was with that original vocal. Okay. So then they and changed then I, their name to the unseen. I put out the seven. That's when they changed. Yes. Got it. Okay. 
Shortly after that release, the band and Carlson parted ways. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <geez>. oh, man. <laughs> Brutal. So, from there, Paul Russo, a longtime friend of Trip Underwood, started hanging around practices and was asked to join the band. And I'm sure okay. that's how I'm sure that how things worked back then. If you were in a punk that's, band, you, if you're hanging out at yeah. practice, you want to join, man? Uh, pretty much, yeah. The band then recorded and released two EPs, Protect and Serve and Raise Your Finger, Raise Your Fist in 96. They were released two months apart. And they're called EPs. I think they're both seven inches. So oh, gotcha. I, I think it's 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 more of a punk EP than like a current day right, EP yeah. where you would get so like five three songs. Five. Probably, yeah. Yeah. A year later, the band released their debut album, Lower Class Crucifixion. So that was ninety seven, their debut album came out. Band since ninety three, first debut LP in ninety seven. Yes. Okay. Crazy <laughs> amounts of turnover in the yes. lineup. Oh, it's not over. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> after a tour, after after a few tours, Russo then left to go play drums in the band Blanks 77. Are you familiar? Mm-mm. I, nope. I'm not either, but it, it was presented as if I should have been. So I figured you <laughs> right. might. Be. No, no idea. He was then replaced by band roadie Brian Chainsaw Riley. Chainsaw. Yeah, not only was it a, a dude named Chainsaw, it was a roadie named Chainsaw. Right, yeah. Quality musician. This lineup then recorded a few songs that would end up on a split EP with Tom and Boot Boys and two songs for a compilation album called Sound of Rebellion. Okay. After six months, Russo rejoined the band, but they kept Chainsaw on as a singer and third guitarist. Because why not? Yeah, it's a punk band. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Put anybody else you need up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here we go. After uh, a tour <laughs> with the anti-flag, the band parted ways with Chainsaw. Okay, poor Chainsaw. They then moved to Boston. I don't know how far that is, but Massachusetts isn't that big of a state. So I'm I was going to say, it can't be a huge distance. <laughs> they set out with other street bands to revive the English street punk sound of the 80s. Okay. So I don't know if there was, like, in my head, it's hard for me to see a band sitting down and being like, you know what? We need to revive the street punk scene of the 80s. <laughs> like, it just, right. it just seems weird to me. Yeah. I can't imagine that that's I can't imagine that was actually a thought or an actual statement that somebody said, like, maybe that's just the style of music they decided to turn to a bit more. Or like two years after you start doing things you're like, oh, this kind of is we're kind of doing like this. So let's yeah, we're going yeah, to bring it back. Yeah. So then the group's solid early lineup consisted of trip on bass guitar and vocals, Scott on lead guitar and Mark on drums and vocals. <laughs> and Paul Russo on second guitar and vocals, as well as drums and bass guitar for certain songs at certain live shows when the bands would switch instruments for certain songs. That's fun, though. That's cool. I, I appreciate that. To me, anytime I've ever seen that done, like, during a show, even if it's like a basement show, it just felt sloppy to me. But I guess that is kind of like the it's a punk rock attitude thing. Like, we're just having yeah. fun. We're switching instruments, whatever. Yeah, I like that. I think it's fun. Most shows began with Russo and Tripp singing lead and ended with Russo playing drums and Mark singing lead. Oh, wow. Okay. So the drummer at the end of the show would be the lead. The, the, Was the a front man. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So then uh, Mark Civitaris, I believe that's how it's pronounced. I apologize if it isn't. But from here on out, he's also known up till today as Mark Unseen. So that kind of gives oh, you okay. the idea of <laughs> how, ser how, how serious he is to the band. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, Mark Unseen played drums on the band's first few albums, but he became the front man after Russo departed in 03. So the drummer fully became the front man. He doesn't drum right, anymore. Yeah. Okay. They then released their second album, So This Is Freedom, in 1999 on AF Records. Okay. Then their third album, The Anger and the Truth, in 01 on BYO Records. And then their fourth album, Explode, in 2003 on wow. BYO Records. Okay. And I think Explode is the time when I became familiar with them. So it would have been in like 03. I think there's a track that popped up from that album on a compilation tape that I heard that sure. brought me back to that album. So okay, that's around you. the time I would have gotten. They would at least been on my radar at that time. For sure. So then State of Discontent is their fifth album. All and right. it's their first on Hellcat Records. Gotcha. The album is produced by a Brett Gerwitz. Oh, yeah. I love Brett. Bad Religion, Epitaph yep. Owner. Yep. And did you know that he also is the co-founder of the comic book and graphic novel publisher Black Mask Studios? I was unaware of that, actually. I was, too. I've read books from Black Mask, and I didn't oh, know too. that Brett Gerwitz was half, half founder of that. Yeah, neither did I. That's cool. I, I have mad respect for him. He is amazing in my eyes. He brought Epitaph from like nothing and now it's gigantic. Just just like, reading like the first paragraph on his Wikipedia was like, yeah, this dude's serious. Like this. Yeah, he is. is. It's important. wild how how much of a staple he is in the punk scene starting in the eighties and yeah. until now. Like he's still they're still putting out stuff on Epitaph that's new and different and like they, they do a whole lot of the punk hip hop kind of combination stuff yeah brett is still like from what i understand he's still super involved in that label which is amazing to me like mad respect for him so you would think that with that kind of producer on board that that's all you would need right nah there's you a, need. there's a there's a second producer of course you need is, more <laughs> his name's ken casey from dropkick murphy's Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. He what is, a like the, the, the main songwriter, Dropkick Murphy's, the yeah. guy who does most of the melodies from Dropkick Murphy's. Yeah. yeah. I have mad respect for him, too. Dropkick Murphy's are one of those bands that um, I always hold on to. Yeah. Love Dropkick. Saw them with the Boss Tones. So, yeah, those are two big names producing Huge names. Yeah. And then this record was released. May 10th, 2005. It was actually released May 9th internationally, but apparently oh, didn't okay. get released in America till May 10th. I don't remember if it was around that time, but records used to be released on Tuesdays and then it got changed to Fridays. And that I got angry. I got <laughs> angry when that happened. Like I had I a whole routine. Two extra days. I got to wait Dude, two, I, three extra days. I had a whole, I had a whole routine where every Tuesday, like I'd go to the record store and pick up new records or whatever. And then they changed it to Friday and I just got angry because then the record stores were always busier on Friday. Yeah. Nah, it was, yeah, but it I, was, I mean, that's probably a capitalistic move, right? Because if you release on Friday, people have money on Friday. People are there. Yeah. 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 Man. It made me mad. I hate overanalyzing how capitalism has ruined everything. <laughs> And I'm sure you have recognized this, and I know the listeners have at this point, but one of my favorite aspects of this is when we look at what else came out. I love talking about it. Oh, yeah, it's so much album. fun. I love it, too. So other albums that came out in May of 05. Yeah. May 2nd, we had, and I think we're contractually obligated to mention Limp Bizkit <laughs> once an episode. 
<laughs> so May 2nd, Limp Bizkit's The Unquestionable Truth Part 1 came out. and That was a record? I, yeah, and I know nobody listened to it. I have no I idea what it. that is. It's actually... What's the word I'm looking for here? Because I terrible. Can't say it, I can't say it's good. I cannot garbage. Say it's, good. it's interesting because they actually tried really, really hard to do something that sounded like them, as opposed to like continuing to do rap rock or whatever. Like they tried doing something mm. instrumentally different, but then Fred Durst lyrics are like super political when it's real weird at times. Oh, okay, weird. Like they're political, but they're like kind of all missing the mark. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, yeah. I don't reckon. Put it this way. I'm not bringing that album to you unless we hit a certain point where we're just doing Olympic <laughs> where we're just scraping the bottle of the barrel. So then May 3rd, Fallout Boys from Under the Cork Tree came out. Yeah, that was their LP after their breakout one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was still listening to Fallout Boy at that time. From Under the Cork Tree is considered a big one for them, right? I was going to say, I think it was pretty good. I think it had like a really big single off of it. I can't remember off the top of my head, though. I can't remember if I listened to it. I know I listened to the first one because I've never listened to a full Fallout Boy album in my life. Oh, you haven't? No, but I think last year I listened to the their first oh, one. Oh, okay. The one that was blue and black cover? Yes. Yeah. And then I was going to listen to like their whole discography, and I think the first one just it was good, it was fine, but it didn't yeah. do enough to make me want to listen to the next ones yet. It... I really liked that first one. Also on May third, we have Nine Inch Nails album with Teeth. Yep, got it. I, I've never listened to it. Don't know what. Have it you is. never I've... listened to a Nine Inch Nails I, record? I listened to two of their records just because okay. they were in a CD book that we had stolen from somebody. <laughs> Like this, okay. I, I don't, I don't remember the whole context of it, but I know like this dude was being a piece of shit or something, yeah. and he like just stole a CD book out of his car and had a bunch of CDs. And Nine Inch Nails were, yeah. The, yeah. Some in, of those in retrospect, I definitely sound like the bad guy there. Like I sound like the villain. <laughs> yeah, you kind of do, but I don't think that's how it was. Sure, but but they say the winners write the history, and if I have the CDs, I'm the winner. So I'm there not you go. the bad guy. You're not the bad guy. Do you remember which Nine Inch Nails CDs they were? If you told me the names of their albums, I could probably get the bound down to it. Downward Spiral. Was the that Downward one? Spiral. Yeah. That was their big one. It's that one and then one that's around there too. Like similar. May 10th, Weezer's Make Believe came out. Make Believe, Make Believe actually isn't so bad. There is one track on there that... I used in one of Emily's uh, anniversary CDs that we talked about before. Uh, yeah. Mixtapes. Yeah. Love mixtapes. Yep. yep. I think it's You're My Best Friend, I think is the name of the song. Honestly, all I need to hear is that it's Weezer and that's the track title. And I can kind of figure out what it's going to sound like. You probably could. <laughs> <laughs> also on May 10th, A Day to Remembers and Their Name Was Treason came out. I don't know that one. I don't either. I saw the album cover and it didn't even like register it to me. I was like, that okay. had to be pretty early on for them too, right? Oh, five feels pretty early. Yeah, it feels early. It feels early. Also on May, May 10th, the starting lines based on a true story came out. Yeah, that, that one's big for me. It's the one that has like the movie film cover, I think is might be. By the way, I'm horrible at explaining what album covers look like. I think we've covered that before, but I liked starting line. That was starting line and something corporate were the two bands on my inline skating playlist. Like I listened to them when I was skating sure. all the time. I was out yeah, there I liked big blader, big blader. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I liked the starting line. That record 
wasn't the one that I really, really liked, though. I think there was one. I don't think it was the one that everybody liked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was kind of just, yeah. they put it out, and it was the starting line. On May 17th, System of a Down's Mesmerize. Wasn't that, didn't they have another one that came out right around the same time, and then they were, like, kind of like a double album? Hypnotize? Mesmerize and Hypnotize, I think. One of them is much better than the other, but I don't That's remember true. which one it and is. I can't remember. Uh, that was where System of Down kind of lost me a little bit. See, those two I was still on board for. Were you? I was still on board for those two. And then I think after that, I was just kind of like, yeah. And it, it's unfair because they are unbelievably talented. Yeah, they really are. I, I don't, Maybe because they were wedged into that new metal tag for a while, which is it, also Yeah, it might have been odd. that. Because they were Tox- not new metal. Toxicity is one of the greatest albums. Like I love that yeah. album. I, I that agree with that amazing. 100%. That may have been in the CD booklet that we stole. Great, great <laughs> find. Then <laughs> May twenty third, Alkaline Trio's Crimson came out. Not my favorite. Me neither. We've talked yeah. about my favorite before, and that that's not it. I, honestly, I think other than the one that is my favorite that we've talked about from here to Infirmary, that's without a doubt my favorite. I don't know yeah. if I need a, a whole other album. Like, I'll listen to a track here and there, sure. but I don't need a whole other album. Man, the first half of their career is big for me. The self-titled... Today I'll Catch Fire? Yeah, maybe I'll Catch Fire. Maybe I'll Catch Fire. Yeah. Not today. <laughs> Some and other day. Yeah, From Here to Infirmary was huge. Good Morning was really good. God damn it was really good. And then yeah, after after Good Morning, I think was Crimson, and that I just it, it didn't like it as much. That's fair. That happens. I fell off a lot of bands in two thousand five, apparently. It sounds like it. And there's yeah. there's also there's also a lot of things that I got onto in two thousand five, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the things I didn't get onto, and I don't think it's a band we've touched here before, and I'm uh, I don't exactly know what you think of this band. May 23rd, Audio Slaves, Out of Exile came out. Not huge fan. I didn't really like Audio Slave. I've never been a fan, but for some yeah. reason, it's it's one of those bands that... Like, I should have been. Uh, it's, not, it's not that for me. It's more people know what I listen to, and yeah. then they'll be like, oh, yeah, man, you like Audio Slave. And I'm, and I'm just like, no. Nah. I don't know what about me was told telling them that that is a band that was for me. That's Rage Against the Machine with Chris Cornell as singer, right? I believe so. Because what's the other band that kind of did that? Velvet Revolver was. Oh yeah, um, was uh, Slash was and Scott Guns Weiland. and Roses was from Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, is that his name, Scott Weiland? Yeah, Scott Weiland. Yeah. And then because I had to get some hip hop on this list here, let's do it. May twenty fourth, Commons B came out. B was a good record. B was a really good record. I don't know if Collins ever put a bad record out, but I think he's only put out one really good record. Like the other ones are kind of just there. Like if you want common, you're going to get common. Sure. But if you know what you're getting, you're getting common. Right. Yeah. I really liked B. And then maybe on the other side of the hip hop spectrum, (laughs) we have also on May 24th, Gucci Mane's Trap House came out. Yeah, not didn't listen to it. Talk about a big record for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I put a lot of time in the Gucci Mane Trap House record. That's funny because that's like the two that's the two separate entities Very. of our rap. Like yes. That Gucci Mane was definitely you and that common was definitely me. Yeah, it's like we go from extremely conscious and lyrical yep. to just dirty trap. Just good stuff. 
good yeah, stuff that's, all around. That's funny. And I can I can vibe on both. I just sometimes I have to be in certain moods for the conscious stuff, but I think I can get down with a trap album anytime. <laughs> Moving on to the Billboard charts, the week of May 14th, 2005. On the Billboard yeah. 200, number four, I know you got this on your shelf. You got all the copies that there are. Something oh, no. to Be by Rob Thomas. Nope. No, that wasn't, that wasn't love, me. <laughs> you love Rob Thomas. You got all the Rob Thomas records. No, I actually, that first Matchbox 20 record was pretty good. I've never listened to full. Thing. But Rob Thomas solo stuff, I don't think I've ever listened to his solo stuff. Unless he's with the guitar god himself. Carlos Santana dude that track is amazing oh it's one of the best pop tracks of all yeah, time. it's Without so good <laughs> number three disturbing the peace presents Bobby Valentino and I know you you've heard a track with Bobby Valentino because he's on a track on the Carter three with Lil Wayne disturbing the peace presents this would have been the ludicrous Def Jam South imprint disturbing the peace putting this record out yeah right yeah Bobby Valentino was a big R&B guy at the time. Sure. As I mentioned, he was in that one. Uh, that he was one. in that one Lil Wayne track. Yeah. Which is the only place I knew him, I think. Period. That would be the I've only place I know him from, too. <laughs> Number two on the Billboard 200, week of May 14, 2005. We've touched on this album before. Emancipation of Mimi by Mariah Carey. Sure. Number one on the Billboard 200, week of May 14, 2005. Devils and Dust by Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Not a bad one, honestly. Uh, I, I liked it. It was pretty good. Let's move into the Hot 100. On the Billboard Hot 100, the number five track, just a little bit, 50 Cent. Chart killer. There you go. We've been over 50 Cent. I don't know how he's on so many of these charts. Every he's time on. Not 50 Cent's on these charts. I know, it's amazing. I know you're going to be pumped about number four. Sure. The track is Lonely. And the artist is Akon. No. <laughs> I, I want to take a moment to apologize for my reaction to Akon last week, whatever week it was. That Two we weeks did. ago? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was, I was a bit harsh. A bit harsh. Uh, I, do, I do believe it was founded. He was the worst part of that record. But I, I, went, a little, I went a little in on Akon, and I apologize for being so brutal. But if we're being honest, probably a little bit for humor, so... A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it didn't need to be that much. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to cut out your, your Akon apology anyway. So. <laughs> That's fine. He'll uh, never listen. Number three, you don't know what he does. That dude, owns, that dude owns a country. He doesn't have ears for music, at least. You apologize and then do that? <laughs> I know. I can't, I can't help it. It's just it's in me. Number three on the Billboard Hot 100, O by Sierra featuring Luda. I think I know it. I think I know that one. Just because Luda's on it? Because I feel like you weren't out there listening to Sierra records. I think I think there was a video. You got one up on me then, because I don't I don't remember it at all. I think I kinda do. But only I think I probably only would have paid attention because Luda was on it. Or because I'm sure Sierra looked incredible in the video. Oh, I'm sure she did, yeah. Number two, hate it or love it, the game featuring fifty cent. Man, is that off of that the game's uh documentary? record it's when it's when him and 50 cent were still cool i think i think that was that first the game record and that thing was huge i loved that record it was big and then him and 50 had a and then they had a whole yeah they had a they had a bit of a thing number one in the billboard hot 100 i think it was there before on a different album i can't remember what it was hollaback girl gwen stefani the song that taught every one of us how to spell bananas oh jesus I still think about it every single time I have to spell bananas. <laughs> every single time. Without fail. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This shit is. It, it definitely um, was. 
just searching for something on the Hot 100 that I think you would have been listening to. Number thirteen, Mr. Brightside by the Killers. Yeah, that was that's a amazing. That's an amazing track. Amazing track. That record was actually really, really good too. Hot Fuss. Well, I think we talked about how long it was on the charts, didn't we? I think we did. Charts. Yeah, yeah. The UK charts. I think we we t- discussed yeah. it that it was on the UK charts for like years. So then we see where we're at Billboard wise. We got a little background of the unseen. Sure. State of discontent. Fourteen tracks. Thirty two minutes four seconds. Uh, before we get into your track by track rundown, mm-hmm. I, I just need to acknowledge that much like when you give me punk records, sometimes it's not easy to have a lot of opinions about each individual track because yeah. it's a punk rock song. Right. It's hard to kind of get a lot, but yeah. I just needed to acknowledge that. And so you didn't feel like you needed okay. to. Initial reaction. Uh, I had the same problem you had with Pup where I was listening, okay. starting to write down notes. And then realize I'm four songs deep. <laughs> yes. So let's start off then. First track. Sure. On the other side. The sounds incredibly familiar. I'm getting a bit of early AFI vibes from this one. I dig the echoing of the group vocals at the end. The front man singing and then the the yeah, the group vocals say, echoing the same thing. I love that. I want to say that's probably the Dropkick Murphys influence on this. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bad Religion did that too, though. They had group vocals. So. Yeah. I would say that this is probably one of their most sing-alongy albums. Like sure. some of their other stuff is a little more hardcore. Okay. But I never I never saw The Unseen as a hardcore punk band the way that I see The Casualties as a hardcore right, punk band. Right, yeah. Like cuz they like Casualties are very clearly hardcore punk whereas The Unseen it, it he he is it's it's mostly harsh vocals. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's it's done in such a singy way that it kind of doesn't strike your ear as a harsh vocal. Now that you mentioned that Brett was a producer on this record. I wonder if the more pop sensibilities in this record came from him because bad religion is punk. Yes, but they are punk with like a lot of pop influence as far as structure goes. And I wonder if Brett had anything to do with that. I imagine he probably did because these as a whole, this record is very sing along. There's definite spots where you can see a crowd singing along or yelling along, you know, like, um, and I was lucky enough to do that in 2007. Were you? That's awesome. I, I saw the unseen. Here's the craziest part though. Yeah. I saw the unseen in 07 at warp tour. I was going to say, was it warp tour <laughs> bands have what? 20 minute sets. Yeah. But it felt like four hours because their songs are so quick. Yeah. That they put, they did what? Probably, 10 songs. They printed 10 songs when other bands could do like four. Four. Yeah. It was awesome. That's it cool. was great. Yeah. It was great. That that definitely gives you the the full show feel to it. Good song. I I really dug it. Next track. Yeah, Scream Out. The transition from on the other side to Scream Out is seamless. It is amazing. Much like, much I like last just, week. I, exactly. It's so funny that we did these records back to back because Pups transition from their first track to their second track could have been missed if you didn't realize that it was a second track much like this one they they just flow perfectly into the other one and i love that it's so cool this was the single from this album scream out was a single i really really feel this track it's so good like it's It's so so good. good yeah the attitude behind this track is 
the reason I listen to like Acacia Strain, like to process my emotions sure. yeah. in quotes. Yeah, yeah. Because like I'm scream, I'm screaming out. Somebody listen! It feels so good. It's therapy. It's there. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I like this track hit me like a ton of bricks. It's so good. I do have a story about this track in particular. Oh, please. When I had, whew, yeah, I mean, it was back in the days of flip phones. Like you know, everybody had their flip cell phones. Beautiful. I had this as a ringtone. Like I had Scream Out as my ringtone because cool. we all did that shit. We oh, were yeah. all doing that shit. Yep. So that was also around the time where we were doing playing like local shows in my buddy's basement. Uh, like there was everybody was there. We were, you know, bands would form the day before and do a couple songs. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like we're just we're just playing basement shows. And my my ringtone went off one time and I walked away and then I came back and one of the other guys said, Are you okay? And I said, What do you mean? And he's like Ed told us that you have a ringtone that's just noise. (laughs) (laughs) But it was also like an awakening moment for me because to me, Ed was one of those dudes at this time that was like one of the punk dudes. Like he was one of the guys. I mean, these shows were in his basement. Oh, wow. So in my head, I was like, there's no way he doesn't know who the unseen is. And then when that happened, I was like, my whole world like changed. I was like, right. oh, wait, we're all we're all kind of different people. Like, yeah. it was a very weird thing for me. Wild. But but it's I still every time I hear that song, I still think of him saying he said your ringtone is just noise. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, that may also play into like because the cell phone speakers were what, what they crap? were. At the time. Yeah. But yeah, Scream Out is still a huge song for me. And, you know, not not even just because of that story, but because I think but it is an incredible piece of music. Yeah, it's super good. I I really, I really dig that song. So then we move on to a, a weirdly placed The End Is Near. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is the beginning of the record, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's the shortest track on the album. Nope, it's the second shortest track. On the I was going to say, I think there's a shorter one, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, really short. I said transitioning a bit into an anti-flag kind of vibe on this. And this would have been after they already toured with them. Yeah. And we're on AF records. That's cool. I like that, that history. And then, yeah, definitely got, it's going to be a running thing for my notes on this record, but there's definitely early AFI and a lot of anti-flag feelings throughout this record. I don't think I was ever into early AFI enough to put that together, but I definitely hear it now. Pre-Art of Drowning. Uh, What is that? Black Sails era? Yeah. I'm talking early AFI, like before Sing the Sorrow. and I want a mohawk, but Mom Unlimited. I fucking love that song. (laughs) So then we move into Weapons of Mass Deception. Very AFI, anti-flag mix. Dark and anti-government lyrics, fast and loud. Yeah, there's definitely a political agenda behind this whole album, but it's not defined either. Like, it it is political, but it's not like political abc do this do this do this it's, it's just not as just anger in your face as an anti-flag record yes they're not running down the list of the things that are bad they're just they're telling just saying you that something's something's off. messed up and i appreciate that I, I i think we can get bogged down in details when it comes to being anti-government type stuff yeah. uh and really all i need you to do is commiserate with me about how terrible shit is next up you can never go home love the slow riff Followed by the string scrape that definitely God, like you would. Yeah. That, that puts me in this comfortable place where I know exactly where I am when I hear something like that. 
the, the chef's kiss. And this is, this is all, all this stuff is very indicative of like Oh five Hellcat records. Like this exactly right here. Yeah. Yeah. Super good. Like I said, I know exactly where I am with this record. So then we move on to track sticks, dead weight falls, dead weight falls. The lyrics give me a hardcore feel, but the non rhyming lyrics morph into rhyming ones and surprises me. These guys do a really good job of combining multiple things together. The guitar solo in this one rips. When I say they they do a great job of combining things to make a different sound, kind of like I said with the hardcore vibes, you know, hard hardcore lyrics don't necessarily rhyme most of the time, but they they do that with the early pieces of each verse on this song and then rhyme it at the end which gives it that street punk vibe if that's what the the description of street punk is then yeah that's what it is and i'm in yeah no it was it was rad like i didn't i didn't realize it was something i needed in my life so if this would have hit your ears in 05 where would you have been at with it i probably would have been great with it but you just missed I, it i, I missed it were somehow. you not up on hellcat records not up on hellcat records maybe i must not have been but i, I should have been because i was listening to rancid Maybe I just wasn't up on what they were putting out as they were putting it out. Or they put this out and you saw that it was like their fifth album and you were like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the band is. Yeah, I honestly, I'm, I'm not sure why this skipped my attention. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something I would have been down with in 05. I know I was fucking down with this shit in 05. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else I was into in 05. But actually, we- no, to, to be honest with you, I probably didn't hear this new. Yeah, like even though I was aware of Explode, I probably didn't hear this until probably oh six or oh seven. Okay, so I I was probably a year after it came out that I got involved. Well, we were talking earlier. I was dropping off of, you know, uh, System of a Down. That starting line record wasn't the one that I remember very well. So, yeah, so I, you may have been hesitant at starting new things when things that you thought you liked weren't very well. Could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So then we head to the next track, which is Force, Force Fed. Fed. Yeah. In their anti-flag bag on this one, kind of thrown a little bit of hate breed type message in there with like the positivity, positivity, which, you know, I'm always on board for. Yeah. Uh, there's there's like a little <laughs> silver lining in this in this song uh, that I really dug as far as like the message goes of this track. It, it kind of surprised me with it. But yeah, I dug it. Next up, social damage. Social damage. The anti-flag vibes are no joke. Then, then they throw a line about zombies in there, and <laughs> I get like a like a misfits again early AFI vibe uh, on this track. And and probably yeah, that you're probably just hearing all of the influences. Yeah, but I mean, it's got to be. It's weird to consider them influences when if they formed in oath in like '93, they're kind of contemporary, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why you said when you when we started this episode, you said 93. I was just surprised. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised this wasn't their debut or something. You know what I mean? Like, it. yeah. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm being honest, there are a lot of people out there that um, this album particularly and then their next album, they said that Unseen kind of sold out. They went, you know, one of those oh, things okay. like they're not a punk band. They they sold out to the big shots. I hate that, like that stuff. There is a I read that there was a local punk band in Boston that had a song called I Hate the Unseen. Oh, wow. Really? I also read that members of that band were friends with members of the Unseen. So, (laughs) okay, maybe it was one of those punk things where you say you hate something that you actually love. Yeah. Or you're just like, you know, hey, this band's super successful. They're still a punk band. Hey, 
I fucking hate you. Yeah, and right. I, you know, elbowed him in the, in the ribs. Right. So then after social damage, we hit waste of time. Yep. Uh, the intro to this song sounds a lot like the kids aren't all right by the offspring. Yeah, it does. And yeah. I knew I recognize it, but I never placed it. Yeah, I, I had to like think about like I had to start the song, listen to the opening riff and pause it. And just like clear my mind of everything except for that opening riff and be like, where have I heard this before? <laughs> that one probably is a influence straight from the offspring, for being honest. Nothing against it. I, I can dig it. The note I have on this one, someone made these dudes super angry. It's also weird because seeing Mark Unseen perform, he looks like the angriest dude you've ever seen in the world while he's doing his vocals. Yeah. But it's almost like every time he moves the microphone, he'll smile. So it's really insane. <laughs> right. He's just super charismatic. But yeah, no, cool track. I, I don't want to be on this guy's bad side, though. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. And we move on to track number 10, Hit and Run. Man, what a dark track. Mm-hmm. The chorus is super catchy, though. Which is, you could say about most of these that have, like, the, yeah. the official choruses. Because, like, some of the shorter songs, you kind of argue they might not even have that chorus. Right. One When they do, and they sound complete They're songs. super catchy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not much else to say about it. Just, yeah, it's super dark. It, I mean. We don't need to sit in that dark puddle. Yeah. Move on to track number 11. Man, I can only imagine a big crowd at Warped Tour screaming along to this track. Yeah. Yeah, this is one that I was like, like. When I was listening to it, that's what I was picturing was a warped tour, a big crowd of kids out front just screaming their heads off along to this track. And there's, you know, Unseen aren't the only band out there, not even close to having these sing along type choruses. Right. And if you've ever experienced one from any of those bands, it is an, an incredible feeling. And there's always that real, real big difference between a punk mosh pit and a metal mosh pit for and sure it's sometimes it's it's very it's such a positive feeling when you're in a punk mosh pit yeah because it, it is ge- genuinely every single person there cares about every other person yeah like, and and that's not saying in a, in a metal mosh pit that doesn't happen most of the time but there's definitely some bad dudes in there <laughs> yeah for sure as a person who has been a part of both those things i feel mm-hmm. much more comfortable in an h2o pit than I do in a bullet for my Valentine pit. Yeah. And bullet for my Valentine is still going to just be a bunch of slam dancers. You're not getting your terror fans for a bullet for my oh, Valentine. I have not, pit. I've not been a part of a terror, <laughs> a terror pit. Uh, I don't think I ever will. I'm definitely the, uh, the balcony guy now. Yeah. We talked about that. I don't know if I'll ever be it. If I ever even pit ever again, I bet you it's not the terror. No, I don't need that. <laughs> no, I like terror. Also, I like terror, but I don't need that in my life. Right. I'm soft. <laughs> Track 12 flames have destroyed. I really appreciate the cooldown of the intro before they tore through this track. And this has to be their fastest track. This has to be their shortest track. It is. It's a minute four. Yeah, it's super short. They just ripped through it. Yeah, it's done. It's gone. Yeah. And then it leads to the track 13 final execution. And then parenthetically Armageddon. Yeah. Someone needs to check on this dude. I'm, I'm honestly oh. worried for him. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I got out of that one. That one was, uh, Oh, I missed a, I missed a, a piece of information here for track 11. Oh, for please. We are all we have. Yeah. Backing vocals by Lars Fredrickson on this one. I was wondering if he was going to be a part of this. He hopped on track 11. We are all we have. Yeah. And then the closer paint it black, uh, Rolling oh, yeah. Stones cover. Yes, it is. Not going to lie, this song has been covered by a ton of bands and done better 
by some other bands. This is my favorite cover I've ever heard of it. Really? I, I've heard a bunch of covers and this I love. I think it works so well in this like fast punk way that it's done. I think Gob did a cover of it and I really dug that one. I don't even know who that is. Okay. Yeah, they're another punk band. I think a lot of punk bands have covered this song. Fun fact about this track that may make you feel a little different about it. Okay. And but, but we also don't have to stick on this topic. Backing vocals by Dickie Barrett on Panic Black. Really? I think he did the cleans on it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear him. I'm going to have to listen to it again. Yep. Backing vocals by Dickie Barrett. I don't I don't know that the record needed it, honestly. I don't think it did either, Yeah, but I appreciate it existing. And without it being on this album, I don't see it existing anywhere. Right. Yeah. No, I, I liked it enough. I just don't think that the record, I don't think the record needed it. I might bring you a weird covers album next time I give you a record. Oh, interesting. Just, just, to, just to talk about weird covers. Sure. But yeah, so I I don't think that the book and, book and test is applicable here because no. of Painted Black. They're, yeah. Even even without Painted Black, I mean, it's, it's a punk it's record. A punk record. It's hard to do that. Yeah. yeah. What are your top three? Top three. I actually have just three. Wow. Because I, I have three and like a honorable mention. Oh, okay. So you have four. You're you're pulling <laughs> Scott this time. My number three is you can never go home. Okay. Okay. Not on my list. Not on my top three. Okay. Number two is we are all that we have. Oh, again, not on my not on my three. And then my, I, I love when this. Is. Yeah, I know. What's number one? My number one, number one has to be scream out. It right? definitely is. Yeah, my number one is still scream out. Also, just because of not even that story. Just I love that track so much. Yeah, this is a good track. It's so good. Number two is Final Execution Armageddon because I I think that is one of the most sing alongy greatest moments on this record, and I think it's so good. Sure. And then Social Damage is probably three. Okay. I just uh, again I love the sing alongness of sing alongness. I can't be right. I love the. <laughs> ability to sing along with that one sure and then my honorable mention is painted black because okay. i do love it yeah i love it that's actually the only rolling stone song that i really like i've never listened to a rolling stones record i'm not giving you one because i i don't really like them that much so we talked about the album we yep. talked about our top threes yep alice left and i think i think i could probably guess the answer but it needs to be asked scott thrown own or grown the unseen's state of discontent uh did you know that the lyric sheet on this record doesn't match up to the lyrics that are sung? So that means you bought it first and foremost. <laughs> I took notes while listening to the vinyl version of this record. Yeah. So like you ordered it pretty after a yeah. pretty early listen. You you told me that it was on Hellcat and it came out yes. in 2005. I immediately went to Amazon and purchased it for twenty dollars. So what what doesn't what doesn't mix up? There's uh or I don't know, up. just going through it while I was listening, I was reading the lyrics too. And some of them like words are dropped out when they sang them or they sang a different word than what was on the sheet. That also happens a lot in anti flag records if yeah. you've ever done that to them. Yep. The one very particular one that still bothers me to this day is in Davy Destroy the Punk scene. There's a lyric where it's supposed to say um, sacrificing them for his image. And all you hear is that's it. And I'm like, there's no way that any of that is what was said. Right. But it's a punk record. So you kind of got it. Yeah. Even the the vinyl, even the physical record of this feels like an anti-flag record. Like if you look at the sleeve with the liner notes and the pictures of the band. And then you flip it over, you see the pictures of the band and their thank yous and stuff. It's, it's very 
yeah, anti-flag. So it's definitely down. Yeah, I'm so stoked owned. on that. And I I knew you would like it. Yeah, I mean this was I a, did too when you was an underhand. like when you told me like like I said when you told me it was 05 and it was on Hellcat mm-hmm. Records. Like I knew it it was just something that just missed me. Uh, and it was something that I would have been in on and should have been in on and would still appreciate now. So, yeah, when you told me what it was, I ordered it right away. I knew you would like it. Yeah. It was a softball. I threw you a softball on this one. <laughs> but because, like, I, every time, I'd never know what I'm going to give you. And because the Unseen came up in the pup episode, right. I had to give you the Unseen. Yeah, no, it's and it's That's awesome how, um, how kind of connected the records are. Like, just, like just that transition between the first two tracks on both of them being so seamless and just amazing. I, I thought that was really cool. The big unseen fan from way back. I think you need to listen to the single from explode because that's the one that introduced me to them. And then you'll understand, I think more what the band was pre this. Sure. Just a little cleanup in 07. They released internal salvation, which is a, I, I like that album as well. Okay. Um, they're still a band, but they haven't released any material since 07. Oh, wow. Okay. So they're just touring. Yeah, I guess like they're just out there. That's, that's where you make your money. The unseen were used as background music for two skits on the Jackass TV show. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> there is a miscredited like trivia fact on their Wikipedia that mm-hmm. says a poster appears on the walls in a scene in Superbad. Okay. But that's actually, I believe it's for the unseen that was a movie in 1945. Oh, I think it was an okay. old war movie. All right. But I think somebody just saw it and they didn't know that movie, so they just assumed they just it was assumed for the, it band. Was the band. Gotcha. I could be wrong. I I that I drew my line at research at trying to scour the background of Superbad. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the unseen state of dis- discontent got an own from you. We got yeah. an own from you pretty much before you listened to it, which is great. <laughs> right. <I> like that. <laughs> the only reason it's not a throne is because, like, if I want this type of music. I'll hit up one of my favorite anti-flag records, but I, I still love this. I would argue that anti-flag isn't as heavy. Oh yeah. No. So like if, if you did want that heavier anti-flag, you know where to go now. Exactly. So we know you bought this and you were listening to it on vinyl, but what else were you listening to this week? I was listening to the newest record from hot water music called feel the void. I really dig it. It's really good. I pre-ordered it. Uh, the vinyl hasn't showed up, but it came with a digital download and uh, mm-hmm. listened to it at work. Loved it. They added a new member to the band a couple years ago who has basically just been like a, a just a guitarist with backing vocals. But he took lead on one of the tracks here on this record. And it's it's really good. Uh, it took me by surprise because the two main singers in the band have a distinct vocal style and right. he he doesn't have the same like his his style is a bit cleaner uh if, right. th- for those who know hot water music you'll know what i'm talking about the the main singers have kind of gravelly voices uh and he doesn't but it was still great uh i really like the record can't wait for mine to come in uh on vinyl um really stoked about it yeah so hot water music's on the list for me already right yes they are yeah, because I, I, I'm familiar with them through name only, and I may have heard a track here and there, but I know I've never listened to a full album. Yeah, you'll you'll get one of their records coming up, uh, probably one of their early ones. My record of the week was, I, I didn't even plan on listening to this thing this week. Mm. I didn't, but I got, I ordered this, this album on vinyl mm, 14 months ago. Oh, wow. And it's just kept gotten pushback, 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 pushback. That's push the back, worst. Push back. 
and I got an email Tuesday that said it's shipped. Whew. So That's immediately, as soon as I saw it was shipped, I downloaded it again. And I was like, this is what I'm listening to today. Right. And it is Stove God Cook's album, Reasonable Drought. Okay. For one to have the balls to call your album. That's rough. Reasonable Drought. Yeah. To have the balls to even get close to a jit. That what is some people consider the greatest rap album of all time. Yeah, Jay-Z is that record is a monster. I love Reasonable Drought so much. I think Stove God Cooks is such a talent. I'm still thinking of bringing this album to you, actually. Okay. But because you do have to listen to him a little differently. Like, it, it's not as it's not as far as West Side sure. done. But I think Stove God might be that connection. Like, I think if I can get <laughs> you into Stove God, yeah. we, can, we can find that exit off that freeway to get you to listen to West Side God. <laughs> Maybe not enjoy it, yeah. but at least be able to sit down and be like, I see what's happening. The only thing from Stove God that I know is that feature on, uh, was it Benny's record or Conway's record? He had one the on newest one. Benny's record. Okay. Yeah. that's But, the- but I mean, he's been, he's been on their records before too. I'm right. sure you've heard it and probably just, you know, was like, okay, that happened. Right. Yeah. But he just has such a definitive style. He just has such a, def- I mean, everything. It's great. By the way, I guess I can't, um, it is Stove God Cooks, but it's fully produced by Rock Marciano. Oh, okay. So like, I have to mention him as well. We covered the Unseen State of Discontent. Yep. And it was an own for you, a, a very quick own. 100%. Own. Yeah. Gunslinger own. You had that thing out of the whole That was quick. the quickest own. We talked our records of the week. Yep. The only thing left is for you to tell me what I'm listening to next week. I have to, I have to give you the record. Because I yes, forgot do. I still had to do that. I thought we were ending. No, this week, um, I've been listening to this record a lot. And I think it's one you haven't listened to. If it is, I'll 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 switch it up to something else. But been in a vibe. Post Malone's Hollywood's Bleeding a lot. And uh, I think you haven't listened to that? I have not. Okay. Mm-mm. Then, yeah, we're going to go with that this week. It's kind of in between a few things. But... One of the ones I, I had possibly that I was going to give you this week, I went and re-listened to it, and it's it's a long one, so we're going to pass on that for now. I'm familiar with Post Malone in like some hits here and there, but I don't know. I've never listened to a full record, I don't believe. Yeah, uh, there's a few hits off of this record that have been everywhere, even Doritos commercials, so... Okay. Um, You'll you'll recognize probably a few of the tracks. There's there's some uh there's some deep cuts in here that I think you might like. Well, I'm excited to talk about not only the Post Malone album Hollywood's Bleeding. I'm excited to talk about Post Malone as a person because I feel like he's a just a great dude. Um, we'll actually, talk, we'll that's about that. what brought this to the forefront for me this week. Uh, there okay. was a video going around of him meeting a fan who is autistic. He was out for his um, his 21st birthday with his mom at a restaurant and Post Malone okay. just happened to be there. And he was the yeah. coolest guy to this kid. Yeah, I think Post Malone's kind of like just a dude, like just yeah. a dude. Yeah. Like, even with the 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 fame and let's say riches, because let's be real, that dude's oh, has money. Yeah. He just a dude. And I kind of really appreciate that. And I hope it's not like a record label situation where that's this persona they've made for him. Like, I hope that's actually how it I th- is. And I, I think, think he actually is just like a regular, really like regular normal dude who's really cool and down to earth. At least that's what I get from him. Like with, with, like I said, the video I saw, there's some interviews I've seen of him doing, and he just seems like just, just a cool, a cool guy. And we'll 
talk about him at length next week, I hope. Yeah, we will. Right, other than that, follow us on Twitter at AYLpod. Send us an email at areyoulistening.pod at gmail.com. Follow or join, I guess. You don't follow the Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Find us anywhere podcasts are available. We're there. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Scott, thank you for the episode. Thank you for bringing this record to my attention. I really, I really dig it. It's super good. Absolutely. I'm glad we got another uh, record in your collection that I also own. There we go. See, this show is really just an excuse for us to build up our record collections. 100%. (laughs) Much like the Golden Girls theme, thanks for being a friend. Always. And uh, (laughs) are you listening? Are you listening? Chainsaw. The, The chef's kiss. I'm soft.